Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. What's up, YouTube? I'm Minister Derek Hallett of Sound the Trumpet Ministries. SoundTheTrumpetMinistries.com. And today, I actually want to do a teaching called Sins of the Fathers. Sins of the Fathers. And why I want to go here tonight is because I think that this also helps concerning what we discussed last night in terms of, hey, Sister Naima, you know, in terms of uh, daddy issues. You know, a lot of these things can even be sins of the fathers. And when it talks about sins of the fathers, it doesn't just mean fathers alone. Those fathers can also be mothers. They can also be those who were involved, those who are older than us. Hey, Brother Sal, you know, they'd be those who would be older than us, those who would um, have lived life before we have or gave birth to us. So, you know, these are things we're going to be talking about tonight, because one thing we've done is teachings in the past, and I've heard these messages taught as well about, you know, what they call a legal right. We did a teaching once on Sound of Trumpet Ministries about that, that, that when we commit sins in our lives and we do things, that there could be a legal right that the enemy has, not just to deal with your generation, but the one after and the one after. So we're gonna you know, talk about that tonight. Hey, Sister Tatiana, hey, Sister Teresa, and Sister Sarah. But this is what we're gonna be discussing. We're gonna be talking about the sins of the fathers because you know there are a lot of things that affect us in our lives, the things that we do, the things that we choose to do. How many times have you guys ever heard homosexuals say, I feel like I was born that way? Well, you know what? I, I don't discredit their feelings. I know that some of them were molested as children, but I do believe they feel the way they feel because someone in their families may have opened, okay, a, a door that gave the enemy a legal right to go to the next generation. That's all a part of familiar spirits and all these other things. And we are going to hear a video of Derek Prince today also concerning this topic. But I remember growing up in the hood, you know, I don't know why I relate so many things to the hood, because I guess that was my first sign of reality, you know, was to grow up and live in an atmosphere like that. But, you know, I remember seeing as a kid these ancestral or generational curses like where you may find a 14 or 15 year old girl have a baby. And then you look up two generations, you'll find out her mother had a child at 15, her grandmother had a child at 15, her great grandmother had a child at 15. Now I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having kids, but you guys understand where I'm coming from. Or you may be an alcoholic and you'll find a kid that's an alcoholic that will be a kid that's an alcoholic. You know what I mean? So it's just one of these things that these things can transfer on. And a lot of us are plagued by them. I love the way Derek Prince expressed this topic because Derek Prince himself said that you can have generational, generational and ancestral curses. But one of the things we need to look at is the fact that no, you are not responsible for the sin of your parents. 
but you will or can be affected by it. So these things need to be taken away. We're going to find out how to break them tonight, what to do to fight against them, because some ancestral curses can be poverty. Some of them can be drugs. It can be alcohol. It can be abortion. It can be homosexuality. It can be fornication, adultery. These things can have legal right and passage into our lives when we won't seek God and allow those things to be broken up. Getting saved is just part of your issue. You know, like when you get saved, okay, thank you, Lord, for the solution. I found Jesus. Now, every day I'm going to grow with him, get right with him, and do what he tells me to do. But then there comes another part where the Holy Ghost himself will lead you into different areas of your life to say, hey, I want you to understand soul ties. I want you to understand ancestral curses. And I want to make it known to you, the ones that are plaguing you, that your forefathers have done that have kept you from fully pursuing me. Now, you know, the court system in heaven is very much like the one on earth. I mean, it's a lot more fair. It is totally fair. But we must understand that when, when the enemy has a legal right, then he has a legal right. There's nothing that God can do about that except show you where that is, that you may rebuke it and revoke it in Jesus Christ and have that broken to be set free. Hey, Sister Tara, my sister, we love you. I hope all is well with you. We've been praying for you, so thank you for being on tonight. But you see, that's one of the things that we've got to look for, look at and examine are these generational curses. These things can plague you. And you don't know why you've got some problems that you have and things that you seem like you're getting over every other sin. But this one, man, for some reason, just won't get me to the next level where there's a reason for that. And that reason has everything to do with, in many cases, either a strong man or generational curses, which we're going to talk about tonight. I've got a couple of really good articles for you guys to read. And also, like I said, we're going to hear a video clip of Derek Prince. So I don't want to run my mouth too much. You know, I know that this is Veterans Day and I know that, you know, um, I have a lot of family members that have served, you know, that I love. And I am not a follower of Veterans Day by any means. OK, I'm not I don't celebrate that. I've probably got more Marines in my family than one could count on either hand. But the fact of the matter is, is that I'm not big into that sort of thing, because I know that we're not in the army of Christ. You know, when you're when you're involved in military, yes, the Lord can use you. And it's amazing that the Lord manages to use those who were in the military. And I think it's because they truly understand discipline. They understand command authority and they understand what it is to be soldiers. And as Christians, we've got to see ourselves in that same place. So as we talk about tonight, these generational curses and things that we'll be dealing with, this is just a course through a minefield that you can see that there are lots of bo bo you know, booby traps and snares and explosives and you know fiery darts that the enemy may fire. But you and I have to be trained. We've got to be disciplined. We've got to seek the Lord. We've got to wear our full armor. And we've got to be aware of the devil's devices lest he gets an advantage over us. Okay, so uh, yeah, let's get into prayer. And then from there, we are going to get right into this lesson. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for another day, another day not promised to us. And we just ask, Lord, that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities. 
and our shortcomings and our transgressions and those things that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm grateful for this time that you've given me with my brothers and sisters, that we have yet another day to be partakers in your word, to be edified by your spirit, Lord, that they may choose life, we may choose life and not death. And we just pray, Lord, not that any man's heart be heard tonight, that no flesh be glorified, not a man's heart, Lord, but only the Holy Ghost, that we ask, Lord, that we invite the Holy Ghost, that you sent him, that he may bring us into all truth and righteousness, that great comforter, Lord, that you said would come and would reprove the world of sin. So we just pray in Jesus' name that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, contention, or confusion, every spirit of jealousy, malice, and hatred, in all spirits of fear, doubt, and unbelief, we pray in Jesus' name that you bind the devil, that you keep him at bay, that you cast him out like the dog that he is, that your people may have a great victory in you this day. So we just pray, Lord, open the minds, open the hearts, open the eyes and ears to receive your truth. For you are the King of Kings. You are the Lord of Lords. You are faithful, just and true and worthy of all praises. We pray and we ask that all these things be done for your glory and your honor alone. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, all right, as we get into this, you know, the sins of the fathers, um, I also wanna bring to a point, because some people may say, you know, what military people do you know that are ministers or pastors or whatever? I'll just give you a few names. One, uh, Pastor Price of Omega Ministries, he served in the Air Force. R.W. Schombuck, okay, was in the Navy. You know, Derek Prince was in the British Army, but nevertheless, that qualifies. And Burt Clendenning was a Marine. You know, there are, there are so many. That's not even all of them, but there are so many that were military that God used. Why? Because Paul says, endure hardness as a good soldier in Jesus Christ. For no man that wars entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who has chosen us to be a soldier or to be soldiers. Now, um, even Brother Jamar Baines is a Marine. So, you know, God is using, you know, a lot of people that are military, but I'm not for the military. I'm just talking about the disciplines that they have that God has enabled, enabled us to be able to see. So let's get started. Let's go to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20, and we're going to look at verse 1. All right. Exodus chapter 20, and let's look at verse 1. Now, you know that these are the Ten Commandments. And it says, And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. So God makes that clear. Just how you would find a lot of military command or things in the home, you know, um, God is making clear, as we talked about, he's a father yesterday. He doesn't want any other gods before him. Now, we got to ask ourselves, what is a God? We know that there is the one true God, our Lord and Savior, all right, Jesus Christ, God the Father and the Holy Spirit. But what we're talking about here is 
a God can be anything or is anything that you spend more time with than God. It can be an idol. It can be whatever it is that you obey. Whoever it is that you listen to can be your God, okay? But he makes clear, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in the heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. So we understand here that idolatry itself is a very serious thing before the Lord. Idolatry is that sort of thing that truly angers God. He makes clear that he is a jealous God. And for those who choose other gods before him or make things in any graven image or any likeness, okay, of anything that is not of God, he don't even want you making those things to him. But he says he will visit the iniquity of those who are idolaters unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate him. So an idolater hates God because an idolater will place his heart with anything more than he does with God. So these are areas that you and I need to be truly careful with because I believe idolatry itself will be the one sin that's gonna lure more people to hell than you can possibly imagine. Why? Because idols, we can find them anywhere. They can be things in our heart. They don't have to be graven images, but he's making clear. If you're an idolater, you know God is gonna visit those iniquities unto the third and fourth generation. Now I wanna point our attentions to some things because I know a lot of us, you know, especially African-Americans, I mean, I know there's others out there, but a lot of us have Native American ancestry. And when you think about that, you know that a lot of Native Americans that have not found Christ were into all sorts of occult activities and doing all sorts of things, okay? They were into witchcraft and they would blow their peace pipe and they would do their rain dance to whomever their God was, not the God of the Bible. They would do all these different things. Now you think about that, guys those traditions that might've been passed down into the third and fourth generation. Don't even get me started on holidays tonight, but I really do think that they play a major role. There are some people that have even learned that some holidays, well, really all of them are satanic, but yet and still, they will fight against those who are telling them the truth to say, well, I'm gonna keep it. I wanna do it. This is what I want. Now think about that, guys, being passed down from generation to generation. No one even questions it. No one even thinks about it, but it's going on and on. And then eventually, what will you end up having? That same iniquity go from one generation unto the next. So we really gotta be careful with things that we have. You know, there are a lot of ornaments and maybe Native American jewels and things. I mean, even a lot of Hispanics and, and Caucasians have Native American blood. You know, this, that's just one of many examples. Most people, if they go back to their original culture, will find that there is occultism in it. I don't care if you go back to the South Americans. I don't care if you go back to, you know, uh, Ireland. 
you go back to Africa, you go back to India, you go back to ancient Rome and ancient Greece, wherever your roots are, nine times out of 10, they're gonna have something to do with the occult. This is why we must find Jesus Christ and get ourselves right because many of us are plagued by things that we don't even know. We have no idea, okay? When he talks about here that those people would hate him, he says, and shewing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. So God is not expecting you to know everything that he said when you first come into this thing, but that's why we must get into his word and be led by his spirit of the things that God wants and the things that God hates. He says, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Now, I want you to think about this too. I don't know if you guys, if it's been out there, you know, on the East Coast or in other parts of the world, but one thing I'm finding with a lot of our students today, young, young individuals, when someone says something and they actually agree with it, they'll say something like, on God. You know, like if someone says, um, yeah, those are some nice kicks, on God. They'll say like, yeah, like it's on God. Those are really nice. See, the devil is ramping this thing up to a place of ignorance that we're not even aware that there's certain things that are happening, that you're, we're using the Lord's name in vain. It's become a household thing, and people don't even realize that God will not hold those guiltless who are doing those things. And what happens when you got one generation saying stuff like that, the next generation will follow. You got homosexuals in your family line, chances are the devil will bring it unto the next generation, second or third or fourth, because he knows that he's got a legal right. When someone in your family opens the door to adultery, divorce, abortion, or anything that you can think of, you give the devil a legal right. Hey, Brother Timotheus, you give him a legal right to come in, and he knows that he's got dominion there. But, you know, good news for us that Jesus Christ came 2,000 years ago and he can break every single chain if we give those things to him. All right. So that's just something to think about. We need to be careful when we take trips somewhere and someone gives you some African necklace or someone gives you jewels with some other things and, you know, lucky pennies and rabbit's foot and all this other mess. Man, we don't need it. Someone gives you charms and crystals. You don't need it. I remember one day I went to a fortune teller. I didn't go to them. They actually found me. This was income tax time, maybe like 12 years ago. And I remember, you know, getting my income taxes, being excited. I'm walking out of the check cashing place. And a young Hispanic woman came up to me and was like, hey, um, you know, can I just read your fortune? And at the time I was really ignorant of occult stuff, you know, like I didn't, but I told her, I don't really have time, I'm busy, I need to go. So she was like, no, it'll only take a few minutes, just come, just come and, you know, do it. And I'm like, man, I got stuff to do. I don't really have time for this. So she kept bugging and asking. Now I know better now that I should have fled and given her the gospel, but I was unsaved at the time. So I go in, she starts telling me things about my life, you know, and I'm sure demons were giving her the information, but a lot of stuff that these demons even will give you are vague. Okay, like, you know, I can tell you're not sure who you're gonna marry, this person or that person. I'm sitting there thinking, who wouldn't have a dilemma like that? You know, especially not married or whatever. But 
I sat there and listened. She gave me two crystals. I was stupid enough to take them with me. And I had them in my coat for at least a couple of years. And, you know, my dad at the time, who was ignorant of this sort of thing, because my grandfather messed around with the crystal ball and he got involved in stuff like that, you know, um, didn't know. So when I asked my dad about them, he said, well, you know, they could be good crystals or they could be bad or, you know, whatever. You know, we don't really, you don't know, but they do hold energy and this and that. He didn't tell me throw them away because he didn't know any better. But anyway, I went along for maybe, um, man, two years. And you want to talk about hurt and pain. You want to talk about betrayal. You want to talk about being poverty stricken and falling into some serious stuff. People trying to kill you and all sorts of things going on. That's what was going on in my life. And then one day, because, you know, I know I was thinking, you know, it could be the crystals. But I was like, man, I ain't into no foolishness like that. Like, man, these crystals don't have anything. These are just rocks. But the spirit was trying to lead me even while I was unsafe to get rid of them. But I wouldn't. So finally, in my leather coat, I had a hole in them. And I think they fell through the hole in my leather coat. So I, you know, couldn't find them anymore. But that was God's way of saying Get those things out of your life. Get rid of them or I'll get rid of them for you. But, you know, it's nothing to truly fool around with. This is very serious stuff. We must be aware. I mean, even with certain movies we may have in our house, you know, I got to go back to my collection, look at some stuff and throw them out. Because when you give the enemy a legal right, he will carry things unto the third and fourth generation. Now, there was a woman that Sister Sarah shared with me. Sarah, if you can find that video by the end of this teaching, I'll put it in the description box. But this is a woman that was involved in satanic ritual abuse. She was involved in occultism and all this stuff. And she said that they would go from generation to generation abusing kids. Richard Pryor himself had a situation like this, you know, being a Freemason and being involved in Hollywood that there was a man, there's a video out where it claims that Paul Mooney, who was a good friend of Richard Pryor, maybe one of the you know um, entrepreneurs of comedy at that time, or, or one of the beginners, actually raped Richard Pryor's son. You know, and Richard Pryor himself was raped when he was like eight years old. So it was a continuous thing to bring about satanic ritual abuse to keep it in the family. Now, when you see Will Smith kissing his son, like he's kissing a woman and he's doing all that. He's letting the occult know, okay, I've given up my son. He's fair game. You can do what you need to do with him. I feel bad for little Jaden Smith, but you see, that's what happens when you grow up in the occult, when you grow up in all these belief systems that, yeah, he's going to have his moment of satanic ritual abuse. You're going to start to see these little boys start to look like girls. You're going to see a lot of abuse taking place because this is what the devil does. He takes a legal right and he moves from generation to generation. Now, back on this woman, this woman herself said that it was something weird when she when she got saved and liberated by the Lord, that she would notice that every three generations on that third generation, that the devil would ramp things up and make that third generation worse than the other three. She later said that the Lord pointed to the Bible and showed her that the devil knows I've got one more generation to keep this thing going because if I don't, they're gonna be set free. 
So you see, the devil will try and go from generation to generation to bring his filth, bring his occultism, bring his abuse, you know, and all the ignorance that he can muster up to keep you and I under a legal right. But like I said, those things can be canceled in Jesus Christ. So if we um, hearken unto the Lord and he shows us these things, these things can be broken. But if he doesn't, I mean, but if we continue to go on where we're going, our sins are not our own. I did a teaching about eight months ago called sin is not a victimless crime because you commit sin because you pleased yourself and did whatever you want, you wanted to. That doesn't just stay with you because you have committed adultery. It's a chance that the devil has a legal right that your kids may commit adultery and their kids may commit adultery. Why? Because when these sins are done, the devil has a way in now to mess with the next few generations. So you see, your sins are not your own. That's one thing about Jesus Christ that I love that he did was he obeyed the father. He lived a righteous life. He died so that you and I could be set free because he knew out of him would come a lineage. But if Jesus was self-seeking, like most of us are, and doing the things that we do, then all it would have done was put sin into our genetics. That's what's so wicked about the sin of Adam. We must pay attention to the fact that Adam was given commandment of what to do and not to do. But what hurt Adam was and what made him wicked, he never thought about the next few generations. Eve did not think about the next few generations or how it would affect them, that death through sin, okay, would come to the next generation and it would be a continuous work that would follow. You see, Adam was self-seeking, Jesus was not. And that's what we must pay attention to when it comes to walking with God. Because there's even a lot of disease and different things that pass through the bloodlines because of the fact that the devil has a legal right. So we're gonna um, you know, go further into this thing. Look at Exodus 34. And then I'm gonna um, have you guys listen to an article and then we're gonna hear a clip of Derek Prince. So look at Exodus 34 and let's look at verse one. Oh. As Brother Timotheus said, I'm glad of all this is being brought up uh, while the Lord was delivering me from the occult and witchcraft. I was so astonished and, uh, I mean, how rampant idolatry and witchcraft was uh, unrealized by many. This is absolutely true. Amen, Sister Tara. You know, this is absolutely true. We don't even realize what the devil is doing. To be honest with you, if you want to know what the occult is, man, it's pretty much one of them things like everything in your house, <laughs> everything not created of the Lord, everything that he had not given you or told you that you can have. So look at Exodus 34. Look at verse one. It says, and the Lord said unto Moses, hew thee two tables of stone like unto the first, and I will write upon their tables, or these tables, the words that were in the first tables, which thou breakest. And be ready in the morning to come, uh, to come up in the morning uh, unto Mount Sinai and present thyself there to me in the top of the mount. And no man shall come up with thee, neither let any man be seen throughout all the mount, neither let the flocks nor herds feed before that mount. And he hewed two tables of stone, like unto the first, and Moses rose up early in the morning. 
and went up unto Mount Sinai as the Lord had commanded him and took in his hand the two tables of stone. And the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God merciful and gracious, long suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. Keep mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and fourth generation. So if you got one generation, hey, Sister Latoya, that doesn't wake up to the truth, to break the uh, the legal right that the devil has, it goes on for another four. So it's not like you, your grandfather and your father can commit something, but if my son commits it, he's the last generation and then therefore it's broken. No, for every generation that does one, there is four added to it. So can you imagine how the devil has legal right in society and doing the things that he's doing? Man, it's something for us to really look at because our sins are not our own. Now, some people could say, well, God, why do I have to pay for what my family's done? But you know what? In some ways, it keeps all of us accountable. It keeps us from being self-seeking. It keeps us to the place of recognizing my sin doesn't just hurt me. It hurts my children as well. So we're gonna talk about breaking these things because our sins are really self-seeking. We get in line with God, we obey him, we become born again. That promise is not just to you, but to your children and your children's children for all those who believe. So it can go one way or it can go the other. It's all about who we serve, whose legal right we're allowing ourselves to be up under. And, and that's really what sums it all up. So I'm gonna um, uh, play an article real quick. I mean, I play an article, read an article to you guys about the occult. This is called Family Curses and Generational Curses. These are seven signs. And this is by a guy that you guys have heard of that Pastor Price has brought up many times. This is Jonas Clark, okay? So you guys listen to this. It says, family curses are reoccurring problems that steal, kill, and destroy. You need to learn how to break a curse. Scripture is clear. God visits the iniquity of the fathers upon the children uh, up to the third and fourth generation. Curses don't visit your family without cause. When someone up the family tree gives spirits the right to visit because of iniquity, they come looking for a reason to mess up your life. Take courage. After family curses are exposed, crisis deliverance is readily available. This is the family tree. You cannot choose your relatives any more than you can choose skin color, gender, or race. Someone up the family tree could be the cause of a generational curse. A family curse is a payment or recompense for iniquity. It is written, render unto them a recompense, O Lord, according to the work of their hands. Give them sorrow of heart, thy curse unto them, persecute and destroy them in anger from under the heavens of the Lord. 
That's Lamentations 3, 64 through 66. Before you can break a generational curse, we need to identify what they look like. Here is a partial list of family curses for your review. Having one of these in your life or family may not indicate a family curse. Uh, to have several reoccurring ones might. Uh, the help of the Holy Spirit is vital in identifying a family curse. As you read this list, ask him to give you a spirit of revelation. Here's the first, emotional instability or fear. The Lord shall smite thee with madness and blindness and astonishment of heart. That's Deuteronomy 28 and 28. So emotional instability or fear, okay? That's the first. It says the first curse we will discuss is emotional instability. Notice the scripture above says the Lord will smite with madness. To be smitten with madness means insanity, craziness, foolishness, irrational behavior, and flakiness. He also uses the term blindness. This blindness releases confusion, indecision, and wonderment. If that is not enough, God follows that with astonishment of heart, meaning a trembling, unsettled, and fearful heart. Under this curse, one is easily overcome by emotions and fear. These triggers, uh, these trigger a person to make foolish decisions, to do crazy, self-destructive things, in, the, in this condition, a person has a continual inner struggle, internal warfare and frustration. Confusion and depression are two key indicators of this family curse. This curse teaches why some are double-minded and have problems ordering their lives with the word of God and renewing their minds. So as you can see, that's the first one, emotional instability or fear. You know, these are things we got to look at because, you know, anxiety, you know how some people take medication for anxiety. I'm not against those people. I understand. But you do understand if madness is one of them, then, you know, mental illness is growing. I remember there was a time you could actually point to mental illness. And I'm not saying the devil's not helping out with that. I know a lot of kids are being injected by hepatitis B or C or whatever it is to cause a lot of autism and mental illness. But once again, you're finding out that the devil will use things to be able to go to the next generation, all right? A lot of these things don't happen by accident. Some of them are people that have been done wrong by the medical world, and others have a lot to do with that person's legal right that he has you know, uh, with his forefathers. Here's the second one, hereditary family sickness. The Lord shall make the pestilence cleave unto thee until he has consumed thee from off the land, whither thou goest to possess it. The Lord shall smite thee with consummation, uh, sorry, with consumption and with a fever and with inflammation and with an extreme burning and with the sword and with blasting and with mildew and they shall pursue thee until thou perish. That's Deuteronomy 28 and 21. Now, if you guys know Deuteronomy 28, the first 14 verses of Deuteronomy 28 were about Israel obeying God. And if they obeyed him, they would have these blessings. But then when you go to the next generation, um, after 14, 
15 and following are the curses that Israel would go through if they didn't obey the Lord. So look what it says. Some family sicknesses are reoccurring. Reoccurring is the indication of a family curse. Notice the terms pestilence and consumption. Uh, this curse releases sickness of all kinds. Consumption is a wasting lung disease, emphysema, P-O-C-O or C-O-P-D and lung cancer. Lung cancer is the number three killer. He also uses terms fever and inflammation. These indicate a curse that is evidenced by arthritis, inflammation of the brain, leads to Alzheimer's disease. Uh, then we read of the terms extreme burning. Extreme burning points towards all sorts of strange fevers. So as you can see, that's the second one. A lot of the times someone can have diabetes in the family that can pass to the next generation, pass to the next generation, pass to the next generation. Why? Because someone loved fried food. You know, even when the doctor said, I'm not against it, I, you know, I eat it too. But even when the doctor says, you know what, this is not good for you, you should probably change your, your diet and eat a little different. What do we say? Man, I like fried chicken. I like this. I like that. I love to eat this. I love junk food, even though it's raising my blood pressure, but I'm going to go on and continue to eat. And what happens? High blood pressure will pass to the next generation, to the next generation, and the next generation. So you see, anytime we're not conscious of the things that we can do, you can pass on a family curse. It may be the family curse, which is causing you to ignore it. This is chronic wounds. This is the third one. The Lord will smite thee with a botch of Egypt and with hemorrhoids and with the scab and with the itch of which uh, thou canst not be healed. That's Deuteronomy 28 and 27. Botches are open sores or boils. These are experienced by those that have problems with wounds uh, that will not heal. Scripture also says, the Lord shall smite thee in the knees and in the legs with a sore botch that cannot be healed from the sole of thy foot unto the top of thy head. Deuteronomy 28 and 35, this curse attacks legs, soles of the feet, and the top of one's head. The Lord didn't leave any disease out of this curse. He declared also every sickness and every plague which is not written in the book of the law, uh, then will the Lord bring upon thee until thou hast been destroyed or until thou be destroyed. So you understand, this is not the Lord desiring to do this. This is what the Lord will allow to happen to you if you choose not to obey God, okay? Here's the next one. Barrenness, impotence, female problems. Cursed shall be the fruit of thy body and the fruit of thy land, the increase of thy kind and the flocks of thy sheep. That's Deuteronomy 28 and 18. It says, perhaps you have been, uh, you may have had or heard menstrual problems uh, uh, know as uh, the curse. Sometimes folklore comes from biblical tradition. Uh, menstrual problems may be the result of a family curse. Scripture says, curse shall be the fruit of thy body. The word body, Hebrew, betan, uh, means womb, belly, or abdomen. 
of the womb uh, deals with reproduction. Signs of this curse are infectious or infections, hormone problems, menstrual problems, PMS, cramps, fibroids, painful sex, barrenness, miscarriages, cysts, tumors, bladder, uh, bladder problems, kidney stones, female problems, plague, um, plague millions of women. Uh, men too can manifest this curse with erectile dysfunction and impudence. And you know, this can be very true. This can occur. You know, you guys know my story that I had committed abortions in my life. And you know, those things had to be broken in the Lord because of the fact that I had committed murder. There was a spirit of murder that was trying to get me to kill my children or do the things that, you know, people that commit abortions do. Why do you think abortion is legal today? Because the devil wants to keep that blood covenant of a legal right that he may cause abortion to go on, not just from your generation, but the one after that and the one after that. Okay, we've also done teachings in the past on spirit wives and spirit husbands. Although the picture quality was bad, it's good that, you know, maybe somebody will look at it and just listen to the audio because, you know, the very much of the things with this barrenness and impudence has a lot to do with spirit spouses. When you have illegal sex outside of the confines of God, or you've had sex in your dreams, you have marine spirits that will come and, and spirit wives and husbands that will keep you from getting married, keep you from having children, all because these demonic spirits have a legal right. So that's why we must be careful. The next one is family breakdowns and divorce. This curse manifests in several ways, including divorce, family divides, fights among relatives, families that scatter, no fellowship, jailed children, and estranged relationships. I've seen that. I mean, growing up in the hood where, you know, a grandfather went to jail. He was like some gang leader. You know, he did some stuff. He went to jail. Then you will see the father end up going to jail, following behind his dad's footsteps. You'll see the grandson will do the same thing. And they all end up in jail. And people will wonder, well, why, is, why didn't they learn from their father or their grandfather that these things can happen? Because the devil has a legal right to go from one generation unto the next, to cause calamity, to bring strife, to cause all sorts of problems, to keep you from finding God. These are the things that the devil has set up in our lives and he's prepared to do. But if we get into Christ and we become born again and we obey the Lord, he'll take those things away. Thou shalt betroth a wife and another man shall lie with her. Thou shalt build a house and thou shalt not dwell therein. Thou shalt plant a vineyard and thou shalt not gather the grapes thereof. Deuteronomy 28 and 30. The divorce rate in America is 50% of first marriages, 67% for second marriages, and 74% for third marriages. Notice, guys, that the number increases. Why? Because each time it's done, the devil has more of a legal right to do what he intended to do, and that is to keep you unmarried and keep you from being fruitful and multiplying and doing what God says to do. Okay, so there you have it. So it says, 
According to the Forest Institute of Professional Psychology in Japan, the divorce rate is 27%, Singapore 10%, and India 1%. So it's bigger in America. Why? More fun, more access, you know, more to choose from, you know, less morals, and you find that this is the sort of thing that we're carrying on. He says, children are also affected by this family curse. Thy sons and thy daughters shall be given unto another people. Thine kind, uh, I mean, uh, yeah, thine and thine and thine eyes, sorry guys, uh, shall look and fail with longing for them all the day long, and there shall be no might in thine hand. Deuteronomy 28 and 32. So when you look at this, guys, you know, I'm not pointing out a particular kind of people here tonight because every race in this world knows what it is to be oppressed. Okay. But I will say for the sake of us understanding American history, we know that slavery was a huge part of American history. And in doing so, you find that some of the slave masters would, you know, um, rape some of the women. Their husbands would be right there watching and he couldn't do anything about it. Why? Because he had no power and he was under the curse. Am I saying that black people are the children of Israel? Absolutely not, okay? I'm not comparing this to them. If it so happens one day that the Lord reveals that they are the people or whatever, I don't care if it's Asian, Hispanic, whomever, I could care less about that, okay? All I care about is my name written of the in the book of life, okay, that I will make eternal life, all right? But the point here that's being made is this, that you guys, this is a comparison to some of the things that could take place. He says that, you know, another man would lie with their wives, their sons and their daughters, they would be longing for their children, and their children were sold into slavery. I promise you guys, this is coming to an America near you. Okay, when this new world order gets up and running, okay, when the devil finally has dominion on the earth, he's gonna be bringing a whole bunch of things together like this where families will be separated. That's why we can't play around. We gotta get full of Christ and we got to be prayed up for times such as these. But anyway, he says, thou shalt beget sons and daughters, but thou shalt not enjoy them for they shall go into captivity. That's Deuteronomy 28 and 41. The iniquities of the fathers are visited on the children. Here are the stats of the family breakdowns affecting children. Before I read that, like I said, I just wanna make it clear for a lot of people that may have had family in slavery, some of you can be you know, suffering from that curse of slavery. You know, you ever wonder why you know, black families seem to be less married you know, than, than a lot of other families and why these things are going on. You find a lot of black men, this is no disrespect to the black man, I'm just bringing up reality, that you'll find a lot of them will not father or take care of their kids. Does this occur in other races? Absolutely. But if this curse actually exists, then you can actually see why it goes from generation to generation. You've got a lot of bastard kids with no father, and these men out there will have kids with all sorts of different women. Why? Like Pastor Price had did a teaching on once, and this is true. There's that Mandingo spirit where you would find there's one man out there 
that was supposed to be out there sleeping with all the women to keep the plantation packed with people. That sort of, you know, uh, you know, what do you call it? Um, Mandingo spirit can have a lot to do with what you see going on in society today. This is just an example of how those curses can affect people. It, it's occurring in other families too. You know, so anyway, these are the list, all right? These are the iniquities of the fathers are visited on the children. Here are the stats of family breakdowns affecting children. 1.2 million children are born in fatherless homes. 1.8 million children are, are latchkey kids. 36% um, of uh, kids grow up without a father. 75% of kids on drugs come from single parent homes. 63% of youth suicides come from single parent homes. 70% of teen pregnancies come from single parent homes. Now you guys know why I was stressing talking about daddy issues for women and for men, because these things are related. 75% of jailed juveniles come from single parent homes. And I can tell you guys from being in the education system and growing up in the hood, this is 100% the truth. When there is one parent in the home, whether it's just a father or just a mother, it makes a huge difference on the children. Now you understand why the devil wants to destroy families. Because if I am the devil and I can paint a reality to people that having two moms is okay or two dads, and you know, and that's a family, then I destroy the perspective of that generation. So going on to the next generation and the next generation, I will think that homosexuality is okay. Why? Because the devil has given me a new perspective on what the family unit should look like. This is why he destroys homes. This is why he puts these laws in play. This is why he's okay with abortion. This is why he gets people involved in occult practices because he's trying to destroy the family. Why? Because that iniquity will pass from generation to generation. This is lack, poverty, inability to produce. This is the next one. Curse shall be thy basket and thy store. Netting trough, uh, netting trough, it says, uh, Deuteronomy 28 and 17, and thou shalt grope at noonday as the blind gropeth in darkness, and thou shalt not prosper in thy ways, and thou shalt be only oppressed and spoiled evermore, and no man shall save thee, Deuteronomy 28 and 29. This is a curse on finances. A netting trough uh, is where food is prepared. Uh, I liken this to the ability to produce. Production is a vehicle towards wealth building. Under this curse, one's ability to get wealth is stopped. People under this curse never have anything saved. They are continually oppressed by bill collectors and what little they accumulate is stolen by the spoilers. So as you can see, that's a curse. And as you can see, in a lot of poor families, unless the Lord breaks the curse, or some people will sign themselves over to the devil, which means to destroy them, they will go from generation to generation to generation in poverty. This is debtors. 
These same people are, uh, are slaves to their creditors. Scripture declares, because thou serve not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things, therefore uh, shalt thou serve thine enemies that the Lord shall send against thee in hunger and in thirst and in nakedness and in want of all things. And he shall put a yoke of iron upon thy neck until he has destroyed thee. So you see the devil, yes, this really did happen to people in the world. There was real slavery, but the devil also wants to put you under his yoke. We did a teaching about eight months ago called Under the Yoke. But you see, Jesus says, come unto him and learn of his ways for his yoke is easy and his burden is light. But the devil wants to keep you under hard bondage, under slavery that you may never find Christ. And even if you do, you won't be, you know, you won't grow in him the way that you should all because of these curses. He says this family curse of lack and poverty needs to be broken as God promised, um, as God's promise says, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always having all sufficiency uh, in all things may be abound to every good work. Poverty is not having what you need to do God's will. It is not a blessing of God to not have the means to accomplish his plan for your life. A person under this curse will squander, waste and get further in debt and bondage. They are candidates for a get rich quick, uh, get rich quick schemes of all kinds. Uh, the blessed man is not focused on material wealth, but on fulfilling their purpose in life. As they keep the following, the commandments of the Lord, putting first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's Matthew 6 and 33. The next is no ambition, vision, or direction. And thou shalt grope at noonday as the blind gropeth in darkness, and thou shalt not prosper in thy ways, and thou shalt be only oppressed and spoiled evermore, and no man shall save thee. Deuteronomy 28 and 29. I have met those that have no internal works or no internal vision of for their lives. They set no goals and are blown to the to and fro by life circumstances. This curse uh, is revealed in those without ambition. They go aimlessly through life. Ambition uh, is a strong desire to make a difference uh, with your life. It's vision, dream, and aspiration to succeed. Those under this curse care less about tomorrow. They are without hope and terribly negative. They grope as blind men with no direction, always uncertain and full of apathy and lukewarmness. The final is, I believe there's two more. Oh, there's one more. It's called bondage and slavery. The stranger that is within thee shall get up above thee very high and thou shalt come down very low. He shall lend to thee and thou shalt not lend to him. He shall be the head and thou shalt be the tail. Deuteronomy 28, 43 through 44. This person loses his individualism, liberty and freedom. They are easily controlled and manipulated into a loss of identity. That's why we talked about yesterday, 
daddy issues. Now you see, they lose their freedoms, can't make decisions on their own. They must get permission from their masters. Uh, this person will look on further on other gods for provision and protection, not unto the Lord. They are faithless, carnal, and um, full of idolatry, entertainment, and anything that divides them from the Lordship Christ, from the Lordship of Christ. So one thing we got to look at too, guys, because you see Joel Osteen will listen to this and say, see, I told you the Lord wants you to be rich. We're not talking about riches. Jesus said a rich man will hardly enter into heaven, but can you sustain and have the things that God would want you to have to do God's will? That's what this is about. When you're under a curse, you don't even have the finances to be able to do that. You know, the Lord may say, I want you to go somewhere, but you know that God will provide because he says the workman is worthy of his meat. This is the, the final thing he says, curses without a cause. Knowing that God visits the iniquity upon the fathers unto the children uh, up to the third and fourth generation has been quite a shocker for some. You have learned, however, that curses don't visit the family without cause. Someone up in the family tree could have been the originator. Breaking family curses requires you to think about what reoccurring things attack the family. By now, we are sure the Holy Spirit has shown you some possibilities for some detailed information and for what to do fast if you are having problems. So he's telling you to fast and pray and seek the Lord for what these things are so that they can be canceled in Christ. So I'm now gonna play a quick clip of Derek Prince on breaking ancestral curses. We're not gonna hear all of it. I will put it in the description box because right now we're kind of pushed for time, but we must get back into the scriptures too because we're going to be talking about those things that God wants us to be able to deal with, okay? And how to get free. All right, I'm on. All right, so let's listen to this on Derek Prince uh, breaking generational curses. Okay. Here we go. Now, what I'm going to do now is explain to you the nature of curses and blessings. These are two major themes of scripture. I think the word bless in various forms occurs about 600 times in the Bible. And the word curse probably nearly half that number of times. But I have learned by experience that most of God's people are not really familiar with the nature of curses and blessings. I believe it's the purpose of God that through the redemption in Christ, we should be released from curses and enjoy the blessings. But wherever I travel, I find many of God's people who are enduring curses when they should be enjoying blessings. And one main reason is that they don't know how to recognize what's a curse and what's a blessing. 
second reason is that even if they recognize it, they may not know how to be released from the curse and entered into the blessing. So let me begin by offering you a simple definition of blessings and curses. Both of them are vehicles of supernatural power. It's very important to understand we're not dealing with something that's purely natural. It goes beyond the natural. They are vehicles of supernatural power for good if they're blessings, for evil if they're curses. And one characteristic feature of them is that very frequently they'll continue on from generation to generation, often until somebody knows how to cut them off if they're curses. The result of that is that many people, and some of you are here tonight, are enduring in your life consequences of things that may have taken place many generations ago. And you have to trace your problem to its source and take the appropriate action in order to be released. Now, the vehicles of blessings and curses are usually words. They may be words that are spoken, words that are written, or simply words that are pronounced inwardly. However, uh, both curses and blessings can be transferred or transmitted by objects, by physical objects. So it is not always just a question of words. Uh, Ruth and I encountered a Jewish lady who had met the Lord Jesus and acknowledged him as her Messiah and her Savior. And she told us firsthand this story, and we got it straight from her. She was a, what they call an executive secretary, very highly qualified, and she had a very well-paid job with a man who was the president of his own firm. And after a little while, she discovered that the president and all the executives in the firm were in a strange cult under a lady guru. And then the president asked her if, he, if she would type out some blessings that this guru lady had pronounced on the executives. Well, when this lady began to type them, she realized that there were anything but blessings as far as Christians were concerned. And so she went to her boss and said, I'm sorry, but I don't feel free to type these blessings. The boss was gracious. He said, I'm sorry, if I'd known it was against your conscience, I wouldn't have asked you to do it. That was the end of that. Now we have to supply something by inference. But I am sure that the lady guru heard about this secretary that wouldn't type her blessings. And who knows what she did. She may have prayed or she may have pronounced a curse. But from that source, it really wouldn't make much difference, which it was. <laughs> Within a few weeks, this lady secretary, I'll call her Miriam, it wasn't her name, Miriam's fingers began to go stiff and curl up and set. And in a short while, they were extremely painful and she couldn't bend them. And she said, you wouldn't believe the pain. She had to sleep in a separate bed from her husband because any time her husband turned over and the bed shook, the pain was unendurable in her fingers. She went to a specialist who x-rayed them and said it rheumatoid arthritis. 
and she was in a sense a crippled person. Well, another lady, a charismatic lady, uh, had received these three cassettes of mine and felt that this lady Miriam ought to hear them. I don't think Miriam was really very excited about them. She was a rather sophisticated lady, and uh, I think thought of curses was something remote medieval in her eyes. Anyhow, this other lady prevailed, so they sat and listened to the three cassettes. And at the end of the third cassette, I lead people in a prayer by which they release themselves from any curse over their lives. At the point where the prayer began, the cassette jammed. It wouldn't go forward, it wouldn't go back, and it wouldn't eject. <laughs> that is not purely natural. So Miriam said, well, then I can't say the prayer. But the, this indefatigable lady said, oh no, I have the prayer typed out. <laughs> I'll bring that. So she persuaded Miriam, I think rather against her own judgment, to read this prayer. Now you could read the prayer, I would say, in three minutes. It wouldn't take as much as that. So Miriam just dutifully read the prayer. And in between the time she began reading the prayer and the time she finished, her fingers and her hands were totally released. There was no trace of arthritis. She went back to the doctor. He confirmed medically the healing. Now what I want to emphasize is this. She was not praying for healing. It wasn't in her mind. She was simply releasing herself from a curse. But when the curse was broken, there was no more reason for sickness, you see? Another example of the invisible barrier. All right, now I want to deal out of scripture with the forms that blessings and curses take. There is one particular chapter in the Old Testament which deals exclusively with blessings and curses. How many of you know which it is? Deuteronomy chapter 28. All right. It's got 14 verses of blessings and 54 verses of curses. Now, we can't go into that because of time, but I suggest if you're concerned that at your own convenience, you study that chapter carefully. I've studied it many times, and I'm going to offer you my summation. But Please exercise your own judgment as to whether you think this is accurate or not. Here is my summation of the main blessings and the main curses. As a matter of fact, really, they're exactly opposite to one another. So here are seven blessings. Number one, exaltation means being lifted up. You're no longer living under things. Number two, a word I had to coin, reproductiveness. I couldn't find one normal English word, but a person who's in the blessing of God is, is fruitful in every area of his life or her life. Number three, health. Number four, prosperity or success. Number five, victory. Number six, Moses said, you'll be the head and not the tail. And number seven, you'll be above and not beneath. Now, when I was studying that some years ago, I asked the Lord, what's the difference between the head and the tail? And I feel he gave me a simple answer. The head makes the decisions, the tail just gets dragged around. 
So which way are you living? Are you making the decisions? Are you in charge of the situation? Or are you simply being dragged around like a tail by circumstances and forces that you don't understand and you can't control? If you're a tail, it's very possible you're under a curse. Now, I'm not saying every one of those blessings is due to this cause. But that's for you to discern. There's only one expert in this field, and his name is not Derek Prince. It's the Holy Spirit. He's the one who has to show you personally. I can preach the general truth, but you have to get the specific application from the Holy Spirit. Then let's look at the curses, and they're just exactly the opposite. Humiliation, failure to reproduce, or barrenness. And I would say, basically, barrenness is nearly always in some way associated with a curse. Number three, sickness of every kind. And if you read Deuteronomy 28, I mean there is no sickness that is left out by the time you've come to that list. Number four, poverty or failure. Number five, defeat. And number six, you're the tail and not the head. And number seven, you're beneath, not above. You've probably heard about the two Christians you met. One of them said, well, how are you doing, brother? And he replied, well, under the circumstances, I'm not doing badly. And the first Christian said, well, what are you doing under the circumstances? You should be above and not beneath. Now, over the years, independently of this list, I made a little list of indications that to me alerted me that I was probably dealing with a curse. I only say probably. Uh, this is, I made this independently of Deuteronomy 28, but it's amazing really how close it is. And I happen to have a list of seven. Now I want to be very clear, I'm not saying if you have one of these, it's absolutely sure you're under a curse. You need to examine the possibility and seek God. But if you have several of them, the more you have, the greater the possibility that you're under a curse. And here's my little list. Number one, mental and or emotional breakdown. Where people fall apart, that's a phrase that's used today. You say he or she just fell apart. That's what I'm talking about, emotionally or mentally or both. Number two, repeated or chronic sicknesses, especially if they're hereditary. Because, you see, curses pass from generation to generation. Also, in situations where doctors cannot find any normal cause. Number three, what are called female problems. Barrenness, a tendency to miscarry, and problems with menstruation. And Ruth and I have dealt with so many cases like this that wherever a person comes for prayer in that category, we just simply act on the basis that it's a curse. In fact, we have come to the place where we really feel often we're wasting our time to minister to the sick without first teaching them how to be delivered from the curse. I once, we once called for a lineup of people with female problems. And in the middle of the line was a man. 
when he came up, I said, what's your problem? How can you have a female problem? He said, my problem is depression, and that's female. <laughs> However, I didn't accept his statement. The next one, a breakdown of marriage and family alienation, where families fall apart, where marriages break up, where children are alienated from their parents, brothers from sisters, very, very probably a curse at work. The next one, financial insufficiency. And I want to be careful how I say this. I don't think that poverty for a short period, it may be a test that God is putting us through. But if you're always short, if you never have enough, if you're always scraping, I think you're very probably under a curse. Then the next one is what they call accident prone. In other words, you're one of the people who always has an accident, you know? Now this is, this is kind of objective because insurance companies will check on you and they'll give you a higher premium if they classify you as accident prone. I mean, that's not natural to be the person that always breaks your ankle when you step off the curb or your wife always slams the door, the car door on your finger or whatever it may be. <laughs> or it's always your eye that a little bug flies into. I mean, it's not natural if it's always going on. And then finally, in a family, a history of suicides or unnatural deaths, if there is a frequency of those things in a family. You could say a curse is like a long evil arm from the past, and you don't know how far back. And it's stretched out, and every time you're just about to succeed or get to where you want to be, this evil arm trips you up, and you have to get up and start again. And you get so far, you're tripped up again. And that really becomes the story of your life. And I, you'd be surprised how many people have told me stories like that. And so many times they said, well, the same thing happened to my father or my grandfather. In other words, it seems to run in our family. Or another simple picture is a dark shadow from the past over your life shutting out the sunlight of God's blessing. And you can see other people walking in the sunlight. And you know it's there and real. But somehow the sun very seldom seems to shine fully on you. Let's go to Deuteronomy 28 for what I would call the primary causes, both of blessings and curses. And fortunately, they're very simple. The first two verses of Deuteronomy 28 says this. Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth, and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you, because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Now that's a translation which I think is followed by most modern translations, but the old King James used to say, if you will listen diligently to the voice of the Lord your God. And in Hebrew, that phrase is formed by repeating the word listen. If you will listen, listening, 
that's emphatic, to the voice of your Lord your God, and do what he says. So very, very simply, the primary cause of all blessings is listening to God's voice and doing what he says. Now, the primary cause of all curses is exactly the opposite. In verse 15 of the same chapter, but it shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. So what's the cause of curses? Not listening to God's voice, not doing what he says. So there, basically, you have the two root problems, or the two root causes. The cause of blessing, listening to God's voice, doing what he says. The cause of curses, not listening to God's voice, not doing what he says. Okay, for the sake of time, guys, I will put this in a description box, but we got some scripture to go over that's really important. So I would encourage people after the teaching, you know, I will put it in the description box, maybe 15 or 20 minutes after it's uploaded. But you guys want to go in and check that out if you have not heard it, because he made very clear he's going to go very deep into it. But blessings themselves come from obedience. That's why you and I can't have the Holy Spirit until we obey God. When our obedience you know, begins to follow the Lord and do the things that God wants. And we seek to desire and please him. God will baptize you in the spirit. But, you know, if we go against the things that God wants and we stay in sin and we won't follow God, then those then the Holy Spirit can't come on someone that does not obey. That's scriptural. So that's something that we got to think about. You know, there, there's a level of obedience that God wants to see. There's a change in heart and nature that God wants to see in order for you and I to be baptized in the spirit. So that's just one example about what obedience can bring us. Now let's move on. I wanna go to Hosea chapter four, Hosea four. And then I think we're gonna start making our way to the New Testament. But let's look at Hosea four and let's look at verse one. But you see, there's a lot to these ancestral curses. There's a reason why we go through the things we do and why we think the way that we do. And I didn't even read the article tonight and I'm not going to get the chance. But here's the thing that I hope that you guys do. I, I found an article that says that even science confirms generational curses. OK, science itself confirms it. So I will put that in a description box also to prove it not just the medical things, there's a lot of other things too. Like when you become saved and get born again, that your DNA will begin to change. This is no lie. You switch from the DNA of a sinner to the DNA of a saint. When you are desiring to be born again, when you give things over to Christ, you really are a new creature. That's not a lie. That's not figurative speech. There will become a change in your DNA that will allow you to obey and to follow God. But if we wanna remain in sin and do the things that we do, there is also a change in your DNA that schedules you for hell, okay? So it's, it's pretty interesting, I will put it in there. But anyway, this is Hosea 4, let's look at verse one. He says, hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel, for the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land because there is no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. What did Derek Prince say? And what does the Bible say? 
The Bible says that we are to, if we obey God, then we'll be blessed. If we don't obey God, then we will be cursed. Why does God have a controversy with Israel once again? Because there is no truth of God, no mercy, and no knowledge of God in the land. Look at verse two, by swearing and lying and killing and stealing and committing adultery, they break out and blood toucheth blood. So as you can see, there's murder in the land, there is adultery in the land, there is killing, there is stealing, there is lying, and there is foul language. All these things are in the land. Look at verse three. Therefore shall the land mourn, and everyone that dwelleth therein shall languish with the beast of the field and with the fowls of heaven, yea, the fishes of the sea also shall be taken away. So here's that, here's that poverty that he's talking about that will come upon us because they are not obedient unto the Lord. Okay, look at verse four. Yet let no man strive nor reprove another, for thy people are as they that strive with the priest. Therefore shalt thou fall by the fall in the day, and the prophet also shall fall with thee in the night, and I will destroy thy mother. So you you see how sin itself destroys an atmosphere, destroys an environment, destroys a society, you know, because, you know, when people want to know what's the problem with America today, is it the economy? We need to get the right man in office. We need this and that. No, it is sin. Sin is, is America's problem. When America upheld some Christian values, you found that, you know, we were kind of a booming economy. Things were going on. But when we stopped having God rule over us, then and we thought we would rule ourselves, then the tyrants come in. Any nation that will not be ruled by God will be ruled by the devil and his minions. You will be ruled by tyrants. None of them can tell the truth. All of them like to hear about war. All of them, you know, they kill and they do the things that they do. Why? Because they're not men of God. This is who will rule over a country or a continent, or the world, when we will not put God first. Just something to think about. So he says in verse five, therefore shalt thou fall in the day, and the prophet also shall fall. So the prophet himself, the one who hears from God that gives instruction, he's going to be taken off the scene. Why? Because people are not listening to them anyways. He says, with thee in the night, and I will destroy thy mother. Man, look at verse six. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because thou hast rejected knowledge. You reject God's word. You reject knowing God. You reject everything that stands for God. He says, uh, because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. And it doesn't just stop there. I will also forget thy children. So as you can see, sin goes from generation to generation. People are destroyed for lack of knowledge. What is the occult? The occult itself has all to do with hidden knowledge and wisdom, forbidden knowledge and wisdom. And if the devil can get you into that, he can take you away from the will of God and you can put curses on yourself. The devil learned a long time ago, he cannot cast a curse or a spell on a Christian. 
John Todd, who was a witch, who was a part of the Collins family, which was one of the elite families of the Illuminati, said when he got saved, he said, witches learned a long time ago, they cannot cast a spell on a Christian. But one thing they have learned to do with astonishing success is to get a Christian to cast a spell on himself. That's why we got TV. That's why we have music. That's why we bring up all these things and get into all these Ouija boards and board games. And you see, it's the foolishness and curiosity of the Christian that cast a spell on himself. That's what the whole thing is about. The devil, if he cannot cast a spell on you, he can get you to cast one on yourself and your family. We got to start giving the devil more credit than we give him today. What do I mean by that? He's a defeated foe. God has trodden him underfoot and God wants his bride who is us to trod him underfoot. But we got to start giving the devil credit because where we want to go, he has already been, which makes him a worthy adversary. Jesus never demeaned the devil. Jesus called him the God of this world. Jesus didn't you know, glorify him, but Jesus made it very clear that we should be sober, we should be vigilant, we should be looking for the things that are of God and being doing away with the things that are not of God. Because if so, we can give the devil a legal right, he can come into your life. Legal rights are very subtle. I can turn on the radio and start listening to filthy rap music and I can give the devil a legal right into my life. I could start playing video games that are satanic and I can give the devil a legal right. I can even welcome people into my home, not having discernment of spirit, and they can come in here and plant something. You see, giving the devil a legal right. So we gotta be careful what we eat. That's why you gotta say grace over everything. Be careful what you buy, what gifts you bring in your house, because the Bible tells us to love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. So when it comes to worldly things, we need to really see God. Because you see, there are witches that brew in the pew. I'm not sure if that was Jonas Clark, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, or someone else that had something with that. But you see, the witches themselves gave us Christmas. They gave us Easter. They gave us these holidays because they want you, and they, they all have ancient days. Those are not American holidays. They go way back to the Druids, to Babylon, to all these other things. They, they teach it to us that we may adopt it because it never came in until the Catholic Church. But you know, another way that, that uh, they come in, and I'm trying to keep my thought, another thing that gives the devil a legal right is false religion. If somebody's been in Mormonism, Jehovah Witness, you know what's funny? I've even found people that have left those organizations, Catholicism and all that, and they come and they call themselves Christians. But you know what still happens to them if they don't have the curses broken in them? Some of their children can have some of the worst problems and they themselves can become open to deception. You would feel like, oh, well, I've shown them the truth. I've told them everything. But you know what? They're still looking. They're still blind. Even though they believe in Jesus, they're still here and they're still there. You know what that is? That's a perverse spirit. 
That's a spirit, a religious spirit, a false religious spirit. Those things will come in and pervert all that is true that you see things upside down. You can hear about some truth, but then it's like, well, you know, I think this one is just as good. And what ends up happening, you become deceived. So you see false religion is another way that demons can come in and go from generation to generation. Okay, the devil has covered all of this, and that's why we must draw near to Jesus Christ that he may show us all those things that are right and wrong. We've got to, we've got to pay attention to that. Let's move on. I want to go to um, I want to go to Ezekiel 18 real quick, just to make a quick point. Ezekiel 18. I've seen it. You would ask a person, man, you're a Christian now. So why is it that you believe this? Because they've never broken that covenant with false religion. That's why they want you to join these organizations. Look at Ezekiel 18, look at verse one. The word of the Lord came unto me again saying, what mean ye that ye use this proverb concerning the land of Israel, saying the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge? As I live, saith the Lord God, ye shall not have occasion any more to use this proverb in Israel. Behold, all souls are mine. As the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. But if a man be just and do that which is lawful and right, and hath not eaten upon the mountains, neither have lifted up his eyes, to the idols of the house of Israel, neither hath defiled his neighbor's wife, neither hath come near to a menstruous woman, and have not oppressed any, but hath restored to the debtor his pledge, hath spoiled none by violence, hath given his bread to the hungry, and hath covered the nakedness with his garment. He that have not forth, have not given forth upon usury neither have taken any increase uh, that have uh, withdrawn his hand from iniquity, have executed true judgment between man and man. It says, have walked in my statutes and have kept my judgments to deal truly. He is just. He shall surely live, saith the Lord God. If he begat a son that is a robber and, sh and, um, and a shatter of blood, and that doth and 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 that doeth sorry uh, the like to any one of these things, and that doeth not any of those duties, but even hath eaten upon the mountains and defiled his neighbor's wife, hath oppressed the poor and needy, hath spoiled by violence, hath not restored the pledge, and have lifted up his eyes to the idols. Uh, have committed abomination uh, to the idols have committed abomination. He says, have given forth upon usury and have taken increase. Usury means like in other words, um, what do you call it? Adding interest. Now you want to know what's wrong with the economy. These people don't obey God. They're, they're loan sharks and they're supposed to be banks. But anyway, it says, have given forth upon usury and have taken increase. Shall he then live? He shall not live. He have done all these abominations. 
he shall surely die. His blood shall be upon him. So if a man has a son to do these things, that son will die. Look at verse 14. He says, now lo, if he begat a son that seeth all his father's sins, which he hath done and considereth and doeth not such like, if he doesn't follow after his sinful father that hath not eaten upon the mountains, neither have lifted up his eyes to the idols of the house of Israel, have not defiled his neighbor's wife, neither hath oppressed any, have not withholding the pledge, neither hath spoiled by violence, but have given his bread to the hungry and have covered the naked with the garment, that have taken off his hand from the poor, that have not received usury nor increase, have executed my judgments, have walked in my statutes, he shall not die. For the iniquity of his father, he shall surely live. So God is separating the sin from the sinner. If your father committed it, your father pays the price. And you're a son that can see it, you'll live. If you're a son that committed it and your father is righteous, the father won't die, the son will pay the penalty. As for his father, because he cruelly oppressed, spoiled his brother by violence, and did that which is not good among his people, lo, even he shall die in his iniquity. Yet say ye, why doth not the son bear the iniquity of the father? When the son have done that which is lawful and right, and have kept all my statutes, and have done them, he shall surely live. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. So as you can see, this is where God began to turn things around. Everyone's gonna be responsible for their sins. Going right back to what Derek Prince said, because a lot of people will bring this to me and say, see, you don't need to talk about generational curses. The Bible proves that everyone will be responsible for his sin, and they will. As I said, you are not responsible for the sins of your generations that preceded you, but you, but it can have an effect on you. This is what we're talking about. If you learn in ignorance, you'll teach in ignorance. So you see, this was at the time of the law when people were judged for their sin. But now God has put us under grace where he gives us time through the precious blood of Jesus Christ to make right that which is wrong, that we may truly be born again. Let's go to John 3. John 3 and look at verse 1. He says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Why must a man be born again? Because of the fact that we have Adam's old sinful nature in our genetics. 
We're not sinners because it's what we have done. We are sinners because it is what we are. Pastor Price has said that for years. That's why we've got to be born again. We need a blood transfusion. We need to be the new life and not the old so that we can get in line with the Lord. What were they eating up the mountain? Probably brother food sacrificed to idols because you know a lot of um, idols were made in high places to go and worship, you know, false gods. So they were probably eating food sacrificed to idols. So he says, except a man be born again, he can't enter into the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water, and of the spirit, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So being born of water is your first life, okay? That is even to be baptized. And it says, if he was born of spirit, unless he is, he can't receive the kingdom of God. So you and I can be baptized in water, give everything over to Christ, to be buried and to be raised with Christ to, to begin the born again process. The second phase is to be born of the spirit. That is to have the Holy Spirit. If we have not been baptized in the Spirit, we need to pray and seek God until he breathes on you, giving you the Holy Spirit. Because one is the beginning of the life, the other is to live the empowered life. Isn't it interesting how Noah, during, during his time, there was a flood and God flooded the earth with water to destroy the world, but he saved Noah in eight persons or, or seven people with him. And, you know, even though man moved on and God cleaned the earth, he didn't clean it fully because of the fact that, you know, man still had sin in his nature. But isn't it funny how the second time when Jesus Christ come to raise up the people to leave, that he's going to burn it with fire? That will be the perfect purifier. That's why John the Baptist says, I come to baptize with water. But Jesus, who will come, is coming to baptize with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Fire is the purification. That is the finished work. That is the completion and what he wants us to have that we can truly be fruitful. Thank you, Jesus. Look at verse six. He says, that which is born of flesh is flesh. That's the first life. That which is born of spirit is spirit. That is the second life. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. So you're born of the new life. The world doesn't dictate to you. God does. You see the difference? You see the change? God has to govern our lives that we may move forward. Look at Matthew 3, because I don't have a lot of time to stay on these things. Matthew 3. And like I said, you guys want to check out the description box after because I'm going to have a lot of uh, information on this. And Brother Sal, um, if you're interested, check out Matthew, um, not Matthew, Acts 15 when you get time. And it'll talk about those things sacrificed unto idols. That's one of the things that actually moved on from the old covenant that we're not supposed to be partakers of. You know, I'll give you an example, too, of this is like Chinese food. Okay, I know that I like to eat it from time to time, but you got to be careful 
because if it's sacrificed to idols, you see a plate underneath a Buddha, that could have a lot to do with that sort of thing, okay? So anyway, Matthew 3, look at verse 1. In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken, and by the prophet Isaiah, or I mean, not Isaiah, yeah, Isaiah's the prophet, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of prepare you the way of the Lord, make his path straight. So we know that the Lord was coming for one purpose, that he may correct those crooked paths. Being exposed to generational curses and seeing those things that have been holding us back are, are definitely key for us to grow straight. Look at verse four. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat was locust and wild honey. You know, God chose John the Baptist or used him in this way because he didn't want John the Baptist connected to the world in any way. You know, John was totally separated unto God and, and you know, lived for God, which makes him the greatest of the prophets until the coming of Jesus Christ. So he says, then went out to him, Jerusalem, and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan and were baptized of him in Jordan confessing their sins. So notice there has to be a confession of sins and then there is the baptism. Uh, hey, Brother Mark, good to see you on, man. You know, so anyway, let's look at this. Then it says, uh, look at verse seven, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who have warned you? to flee from the wrath to come because he knew that they were unrighteous. He says, bring forth therefore fruits, meet for repentance. So in order for us to repent, in order for us to break curses, in order for us to walk with the Lord, we have to forsake the things that we were once linked to, things that we have given a legal right. We've got to shut that door to walk with the Lord. Look at verse nine and think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. So what were they trying to do? They were trying to cling on to their lineage to Abraham. John the Baptist said, man, don't bring me your lineage. As we read in Ezekiel 18, what your father did, that was good for him, but that doesn't apply to you. It may help that you may not have certain generational curses, but you yourself need to be born again, just like your father or mother might've been. As you know, that always happens. You go to preach ministry and scripture to a person, and what will a person say to you? Oh, my grandfather was a pastor. That was your grandfather. You still need to be saved. And just because he was a pastor don't mean he was saved. So anyway, look at verse 10. And now also, the ax is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. So John the Baptist is making clear, the ax has been laid to the root of the tree. Regardless of what your family might've done, the ax is laid to the root. All trees must grow in Jesus Christ. You know, your forefathers might have done their thing and you may have some things clung to you, but you have to be born again of the new life of Christ. And then you've got to forsake all those legal covenants that you may have cut. 
Okay, so when the ax is laid to the root of the tree, that was Adam's lineage. For all those who believe Christ, they're going to grow and sprout as righteous trees. Man, this is beautiful that we don't have to bear any more what Adam did. But when you look at it, some of the effects of Adam are still around. For example, you and I are scheduled for death. We can't avoid it. We can't move around that. That was a part of Adam's lineage. But the good news is that Jesus Christ came to restore all that was lost, that you and I could be full of the spirit, do the works of Christ, and inherit eternal life. So you see, that's a beautiful thing. He says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, that I don't have to bear the sins of Adam or the sins of my fathers. The Lord may tell you what those things are, but you need to repent and you need to forsake them. You need to break that covenant that you have cut with them in the blood of Jesus and experience the new life and salvation with Jesus Christ. Let's go to Romans 5. Now, an example of that, guys, would be what David did. Now, David, you know, killed a man for his wife. That's what David did, right? And because of that, he had to be seen. He didn't repent of that sin until Nathan the prophet came to see him. God sent him. And what did he tell um, David? He said, because you have done this, God has forgiven your sin. He said, but the sword shall never depart from thine house. And that held true. David's son, uh, Amnon, raped David's daughter, Tamar. Okay, Absalom, who was uh, Tamar's brother and Amnon's brother, went and killed Amnon. Then Absalom desired to kill David. Then you had Solomon and all his problems. These guys were all affected by David's sin. But David's sin is not what sent most of them to hell. What sent them to hell is not to believe the truth. God came to Solomon on three separate occasions and told Solomon, Solomon, stop what you're doing. Stop with these women. They'll turn with your heart. So you see, Solomon had a relationship with the Lord that he had forsaken for his own passions, which caused Solomon to fall away. And there was nowhere in scripture that says that Solomon was redeemed. Not because of David's sin. David's sin may have affected Solomon, but Solomon had personal interaction with the Lord to make it right. That's what we're talking about. That's an example of ancestral curses. So look at Romans 5. Let's look at verse 1. What does Sister Latoya say? This teaching is really helping me, shining light on so much. Oh, you know, praise the Lord, Sister Latoya, because the glory is his. Thank you, Jesus. Romans 5. Look at verse one. He says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And now only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without strength in due time, 
Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure or perhaps uh, for a good man, some would even dare to die. So Jesus died for us while we were yet sinners, but it says scarcely even a righteous man will die for one, for, for someone that is righteous. So, you know, that just shows us the heart of the Lord. He didn't wait for us to get better to fix the problem. He laid the ax to the root of the tree by sacrificing himself that you and I may have eternal life. Thank you, Jesus. Look at verse eight. But God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. So you see, aside from Jesus Christ, you and I were scheduled for wrath from generation to generation. You know, so he says, uh, look at verse 10. For if we, I mean, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, uh, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in the God, I mean, or in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Wherefore, as by one man, check this out, guys. Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. So because of Adam, you and I bear that sin. That's why Jesus Christ had to have no earthly father. I don't care what any black Hebrew Israelite tells you, they're lying to you. Joseph was not Jesus's father, okay? Jesus had no earthly father because through the father or through the blood, which comes from the semen of the father, that sin enters in, okay? So thank God for him, that God's master stroke was to send his sinless son into the world to become a man, to undo the works that sinful Adam had brought to pass. So because of Adam, all men sin. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam unto Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. So as you can see, that sin, even though some haven't committed the same sins that Adam have, it still passed through. These are those generational curses. Look at verse 15, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift, for the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if one man, for if by one man's offense death reigned, uh, by one, much more uh, they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. So isn't it funny? Adam's world 
is really an upside down paradigm, guys. If you guys look at that, I'm not going to stay on much longer. But if you look at Adam's life, let's just say one man who was exalted. He was the son of God. If you look at Adam, he's up here, okay? Now, because of his sin and the fruit that we bring forward from Adam, that, that the tree began to go down like this, kind of like an upside down tree, like a tree that bears fruit into the ground unto death. He was up here with God. He fell and his lineage fell with him. Isn't it funny how Jesus Christ through one man, Jesus is here, down here at the bottom, came down to be with us, that in him blew, for, blew forward righteous trees. Uh, Adam's um, lineage, because he became a son of Satan, went downward, but in Christ, it goes upward to become righteous trees, to bear fruit, to be fruitful and multiply. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. So through one man's sin, he made a mess downward, but through one man's obedience, he brought life upward and to many. You know, he one brought it to many death and to one brought many life. Thank you, Jesus. Some people may say I'm doing some occult symbol or whatever. So, you know, people are funny, but we got to overlook that. So let's look at Romans chapter eight, Romans eight. We're going to run through these pretty quickly and we will close. What does Sister Melissa say? Um, his sacrifice and love for us continues to amaze me daily. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the um, unfathomable gift. That's right, and he's got another gift for us through our obedience. He will give us the Holy Spirit. Man, that is to be empowered to live the life of Christ. So look at Romans 8, let's look at verse one. He says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So you know that the flesh was ruled by Adam. Satan runs that part. And you know, because of that was death. But when you walk after the spirit, there is life. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. And that's why I tell people, we may preach out of the Old Testament, but don't let anybody bring you back up under the old Mosaic law, because what they're bringing you unto is death. Why do I say that? Because Paul says it. Paul says the law of sin and death. All the law could do in those days was show you what a rotten sinner you were. And if you didn't obey it, you were killed, okay? It was only meant to show man that he needed a savior. Jesus says his blood is cut for the new covenant, which is unto life. Don't let people lead you unto, you must keep the Sabbath. You must not eat pork. You must do this. You must do that. That's the law of condemnation. Now, even if you obey them, guys, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the Old Testament. But if you obey them, you still need to be born again. You still need to give your life to Christ. You still need Jesus Christ to raise you up to be what he wants. The law would only tell you what was wrong and how to be right. But you see, the new covenant is what makes you righteous. 
God's plan was not for you and I to obey laws. It was meant for us to be righteous. He wanted to change the nature. He wanted to subdue the old Adamic nature in Adam and have us to become fruitful, righteous trees that are birthed out of Jesus Christ. So anyway, he says that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. So notice the fulfillment of the righteousness is to be led and to walk in the spirit. He says, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. So those who mind the flesh, they're carnally minded. They love the carnal life, the carnal world. They love all the world and everything that the world has in it. And that's all they strive and succeed for. But they that are after the spirit will mind or pay attention to the things of the spirit. Pastor Price said this also, and this is so true. He said that, you know, if you're really born again and saved, you think about your salvation all the time. It's not that you're not you know, um, you don't believe you're saved, but you've got to stay saved. You think about how far you're wandering from the Lord, or if you're not. You think about how sound is your doctrine, because for every false doctrine preached, man, you are going to pay a price for if you don't repent. But this thing is on your mind constantly. The Holy Ghost is talking to you constantly. You're thinking about your distance. Lord, I'm not in the spirit. I don't feel right. I don't feel close to you. And when you feel close to the Lord or you draw close, you feel better with the Lord. But I don't know how we can go for weeks and months without end, without even thinking of spiritual things, without even worrying about our salvation. You know, you can't be saved because this is a walk that is only, you know, that, that meant to get us to grow and be in line with the Lord. So he says, look at verse six, for to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity or is the enemy against God for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. That's why I got a teaching coming up on a carnal mind and about a lot of seminary stuff, you know, because I'm telling you, a lot of people will go to seminary, learn about the Bible, but they never get any closer to Jesus Christ. They learn all the terms of theology, but they never get to know the Lord. And a lot of seminaries will give you a carnal mind. You'll start talking about exit Jesus and this and that and hermeneutics and all this other mess, but still don't know the Lord. Still seeing things in a carnal mind, still looking at things in a way of, well, if it says this, then Jesus Christ couldn't have possibly come back or he already did. Listen to what I'm saying. You've got to know the Lord personally. We've got to be spirit to spirit with him. That's not a low blow at anybody. This is just bringing forth the point that the seminary itself does not give you a relationship with Jesus Christ. You become full of head knowledge, but you've got nothing to anchor you. You're so top heavy, you can't receive the spirit. That's why we need a balanced diet. One, to know the Lord and get into his word. There's nothing wrong with going to seminary. R.W. Schombach, who a man who was full of the spirit, used to call it cemetery, okay? Because you might know all that, but there is no life for your spirit. This is why you can't just believe. You want things to, to have the Bible say things that it never said. Why? Because you're dead. 
because you're carnal. And that can also be a generational curse that passes down the carnal mind. So anyway, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But if ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. You hear that? If any man does not have the spirit of Christ, if Christ is not leading you, if Christ is not living in you, you do not belong to the Lord. That's why the Bible tells us that he that committed sin is of the devil. Because there may be areas in our lives that we have given to the Holy Spirit, but there are also areas in some of our lives that we have not. And what will that cause you to do? Sin in some areas and not sin in others. God wants the whole body to be led by the spirit and body, mind, spirit, and soul that we may be obedient, okay, unto the Lord. So he says, so then they that are in the flesh, well, I'm supposed to be further down. Uh, let's see. But if, but if ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you, now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live after the flesh. So we don't owe the flesh anything. But if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. So what is that to be born again? To do away with the old man, that the new man may have his place. He says, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So any spirit that is not led by the spirit of God is not a son of God. If we are led by the spirit of God, then we become sons of God. But ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father, or Daddy, Father. Why can he call us his children? Because we have put on the new man, which is Christ, and done away with the old man, which is Adam. He says, the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if the children, well, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. So you see, that's a beautiful thing because God is looking for us to be manifested. And if we've got ancestral curses, we're talking about ancestral blessings from Jesus onto whomsoever will believe from generation to generation. That's a beautiful thing. Let me scroll down. Let's see, look at verse 29. He says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, uh, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. 
Moreover, whom he who is Jesus did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us, all shall, I mean, or all how shall he uh, not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? So you see, who will lay anything to the charge of God's elect? When we become God's elect, we have God's spirit. We live every day for the Lord. So the devil can't keep an ancestral curse on you. The Holy Ghost will reveal it. And some of those things, when we get saved, will break off of us automatically. Other things we may have to, you know, get guidance of the Holy Spirit to be brought to mind the things that have us bound so that we can renounce them in Christ. So you can't lay anything to the charge of God's elect. This is when the devil no longer has a legal right over you, but God wants to take away those, those generational curses that the devil placed on you. So he says, who is he? Let's see, yes, verse 34. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that dieth, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded. So you see here, guys, Paul is persuaded. So if we're not persuaded of this, then it doesn't matter to us. If we believe and we're persuaded of the same, all these blessings will be ours. But if we don't believe them or obey them, we will go right under a curse. He says, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So guys, if we give everything over to the Lord, he will bring things to pass. He will separate us. Look at Luke 4 real quick. Two scriptures, guys, and I'm done. Sorry to keep you brothers and sisters on the um on the East Coast up late tonight. But look at this. Look at Luke 4, look at verse 18. Look at what Jesus Christ says. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So we need an anointing. This is why Christ came, that we may be made whole. You see, the anointing of God breaks the yoke of the enemy. And we're gonna pray tonight that yokes be broken. You know, anything that I'm talking about tonight, anything we're struggling with, plead the blood of Jesus Christ over you to break the shackles of wickedness that the devil won't have a legal right in your life. Second, um. 
Corinthians chapter six. Right, let's look at verse 14 and I am done. Oh, man. Uh, you're right, Sister Latoya. The carnal mind, a generational iniquity. <laughs> yeah, seriously. That's probably the worst of them all. So look at Second uh, Corinthians 6. Look at verse 14. He says, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. So a lot of people will tell you, you know, it's okay if we all believe different things. You know, we're all brothers in the Lord. That is not true, okay? Because doctrine is what separates. Doctrine truly separates. I got a teaching coming up on that as well. But an unbeliever, let's look at unbeliever. G571, that word is unfaithful, faithless, not to be trusted, perfidious or incredible or not credible, of things unbelieving, incredulous, without trusting God. So if you don't take God at his word, you are an unbeliever. But what fellowship have righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion have light with darkness? And what concord have Christ with Belial, which is another name for the devil? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? This is what's destroying the saints because that false love doctrine is being preached People are accepting of things instead of being discerning of things. We can't afford to walk around with our eyes closed. The Bible says, awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead and Christ shall give thee light. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. So we should be walking, looking around, being alert. So he says in verse 16, and what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. So God is saying, if we obey him, he will be our God and we will be his people. But he says that the temple of God, which is us, has no agreement with idols. Remember, we went back to Exodus 20. We began with, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And why? Because he will visit the iniquity of the fathers unto the children, unto the third and fourth generation, but them that hate God. If you're an idolater, you hate God because you have put something in place of him that is taking your time. That could be your wife, that could be your husband, that can be your children, that can be your job, that can be your religion or your church or your pastor or anything that is in front of God, not giving God the glory that he truly deserves. So he says, look at verse 17, wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord and touch not the unclean thing, to be separated from the unclean things. And I will receive you and will be a father unto you and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. And if he said it, it will come to pass. But we've got to have these things broken in our lives that we can be set free and live a life that is fruitful 
unto Jesus Christ. So, you know, guys, that's the lesson for tonight. And we're gonna pray about this. Anything that is in your life, plead the blood of Jesus over it. Anything that you know that your ancestors have had. I remember my sister telling a story because I have large native, I mean, a lot of Native American roots on both sides of my family. On my dad's side is Seminole and Blackhawk. On my mother's side is Cherokee Indian, okay? But my dad, I, mean, I remember my sister one day had a dream that she was in her room like a little girl and she was in her covers sleeping and she couldn't get out of her covers. Like every way she was turning to get out of the covers, it was like a blockage. So when she finally fought to get herself out of the covers, she saw a Native American Indian chief sitting by the head of her bed, smoking with a full headdress and everything. And you know, she was scared. And I remember she went to my dad about it and told us about it, you know, what it was. And my dad said that that could have been a relative of our ancestors that could have been involved in witchcraft. So you see, these things will actually plague you if you don't understand what this is about. We must be set free to walk with the Lord. So I just wanna say to people with that, I love you. Give your life to the Lord while there is still time. If you know you're not saved and nobody knows this more than you, give your life to Jesus Christ while there is still time. Repent of your sins, turn from your wicked ways, renounce all unrighteousness and the blood of Jesus. Believe that he died for your sins and he is the only way to be saved and that he died, was buried and resurrected. And he is, not already was, he is coming back for a church without spot, blemish or wrinkle. Get baptized, get into a relationship with the Lord, get into his word. And when he is ready, he'll baptize you in the spirit. And I wanna tell people too, while it's still fresh, get the organic gospel book by Pastor Price and Sister Maisha Hunter. This book teaches that the gospel is organic, okay? You can't perform or try to be a Christian. You need the organic life of Jesus Christ because the ax has to be laid to the root of the tree, which was Adam, and we've got to adopt the new life of Jesus Christ, which is life and eternal life. Okay, so you wanna get this book, it's 1395. You can get it on the Omega Ministries website or you can go to www.theorganicgospel.net. Okay, it's a good learning tool. It's not the only tool, but it is a really good tool that will help beginners or those who are learning about organic life. You can be in church for 40 years and not understand this. So you see, all this does is show in scripture that the gospel is organic. And if we wanna be righteous trees, we've got to lay the ax to the root of one tree to adopt the life of Jesus Christ, which is the other. Okay, so let's pray. Let's get into prayer and we'll go out from there. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this time of sharing. We thank you for the word of God that is able to save our souls. Lord, I just thank you for my brothers and sisters tonight, near and far, that have heard your word. I pray, Lord, if I said anything ill-advised with my lips, Lord, that you show me that I may repent and make it right with you. But if your truth has been spoken, Lord, I pray that you open the eyes, the minds, the heart, and the ears 
that they may receive it, that I myself may receive it, that we may walk in your holiness as righteous trees, that we break every curse that the enemy tries to bring. Whether there are curses of poverty among your people, I bind them and break them in the name of Jesus Christ. Whether there is barrenness present, whether there is unmarried and divorce present, whether it is sickness, Lord, that is present, whether it's those who have made their um, covenant with the occult, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you bind and break every curse, every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit that got in through witchcraft, every spirit that got in through sexual sin, every ancestral curse that is carried down through our bloodlines, be they diabetes, be they high blood pressure, be they cancer, be they any unrighteous thing. I pray, Lord, that you pluck up all sin, all legal covenants, all documents made in hell um, from the roots that you may plant your fertile soil in your seeds, in your people, that they may grow and not be held back. We pray, Lord, and we ask that all these things be done for your glory and your honor alone. In Jesus' mighty, holy, and precious name we pray, amen. And I just thank you, brothers and sisters, for being on tonight. Tomorrow night's teaching will be called Next in Line. Okay, so you want to get into that, brother Sal and his kids. Let's let's keep in prayer, guys. Uh, Sister Teresa in Texas, Sister Latoya, Lord, I pray that you watch over them. Sister Melissa and her children, uh, Sister Tatiana, I pray that you watch over. You know, um, let's see who else. Uh, Sister Sarah sending me something. Uh, brother Mark Williams. Lord, keep him and his family in prayer. Brother Michael Adams, Brother Rock T, so many out there. You know, Brother Timotheus, watch over him. Sister Tara and her family, guys, keep in prayer. Okay, um, let's see, Sister Ch Sal, uh, Brother Sal, Naima, keep Sister Naima in prayer, guys. Okay, pray for Sal's children, uh, Leah in the prayer in the hospital. Oh yeah, we're gonna get to that right now. Thank you, Sister Sarah, for showing me. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, I pray for the child that is uh, Sal's. Lord, in Jesus' name, whatever sickness, whatever they're going through right now, Lord, we know that you are a true and faithful God. And we know that you are a great physician and all things can be done in you. So Lord, we trust and believe that whatever the issue is, while Sal's child is in the hospital, we pray for a speedy recovery. Lord, we pray for an outpouring of your spirit. We pray, Lord, that your life, Lord, will go and spill unto them, Lord, that they may be recovered, that they may be redeemed, that they may discover, Lord, and know you on a personal level, that they may live for you. So we pray for a releasing of your warring angels, Lord, that you keep the enemy at bay, that he not affect anyone or their families that we have prayed for. So we just ask and we pray because we believe and we receive that all these things will be done for your glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys. So that's going to wrap it up for tonight. You know, tomorrow night's teaching will be called Next in Line because it is important that we, you know, look forward to teaching the next generation to get others prepared and equipped and ready to do the will of the Lord. 
There are too many bystanders in this, and we don't need spectators. We need participants. We need people that are going to be involved, that are going to take these words to heart, that are going to go and discover Christ to get full of Jesus, to do work where they are. So we just thank you for all those who support this ministry, my sister and her brother, Randy. Lord, thank you, Lord, for them and all that you're doing in their life, helping them grow. You know, so I just want to say um, that is going to be on tomorrow at 7.30. I'm going to start at 7.30. No more 7.35. But 7.30 Pacific time, 10.30 Eastern time, you know, and it's going to be called uh, the next in line. So. Um, I'm Minister Derek Hallett of Sound the Trumpet Ministries, soundtrumpetministries.com. If this has been a blessing to you, then share it and subscribe. You know, but if not, then you know you've got the right to do that too. So I just want to say to my brothers and sisters, don't forsake your prayer closets. Spend time with the Lord. And um I, until next time, you know, I love you all. Have a good night. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.